Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Hey everyone, welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley, and we are here with week three of the sermon series called Just Keep Showing Up. And Chris, this whole uh, series is really based on the importance and the priority that we want to place on discipleship. As we're in the early years of setting the foundation of who One City is and beyond One City, no matter if One City is your church home or not, just the importance of discipleship. But also, Chris, you definitely have a heart to maybe take away the myths of discipleship. And so as we enter into week three, I know there's a couple of those that you tackled in this message. Um, As we start off, what's maybe your, what was your highest and most important point when you think about this message that you wanted to make sure that people walked away with? Yeah, we need to redefine discipleship. Instead of it being a generic term that everything can fit under that term, um, it's really important for us to move away from a attendance-based discipleship. Yes, of course, you need to be present, but it's so much more than being present. Uh, Attendance-based discipleship is kind of the lowest standard. And and I I think it really does, like when Jesus said, follow me, yes, it requires you to follow and therefore be present, but it's a call to a lifestyle. It's not a call to a set of programs. It's not a call to, you know, a certain level of academic achievement. It's not a call to, you know, memorizing every book of the Bible and, you know, chapter and verse but rather it really is the lifestyle of what it means to truly love God and love one another. I love, as you were just going through those, just, you just said not programmatic, not attendance-based, not academic. Um, and I think it's so often in the Christian life, and I'm, I'm guilty of this in every area of my life, I, I want it boiled down to a few checkpoints I want to be able to write it on a list. I want to be able to check it off. I want to be able to know that I did it. And that's not really possible with discipleship. Is that is that accurate? Mostly. Um, again, I, I want to uh, validate the importance of putting your priorities on a calendar. Uh, if your priority does not get transferred to a calendar, then it's not a priority. And it's ultimately probably not going to happen. And so there is a practical sense that we have to schedule our life. But it's about doing life together. And so discipleship is not about the masses. Discipleship is about the select few. Now, there's a type of discipleship where, okay, a person becomes a new believer And we can get them plugged into the life of the church. And in our church, we like to call it the big four. We want to, you know, teach people to worship, to be engaged in friendship, you know, to understand the leadership that God's given them, the gifts that God's given them, the talents, the strengths that God's given them, uh, to be able to use those. And then stewardship. So worship, friendship, leadership, stewardship. And, And there is a type of growth that occurs 
through consistent involvement in those four. But the discipleship that I'm talking about is a 2 Timothy 2.2 discipleship where he says, take the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to faithful men or faithful women who will be able to teach others also. And so this type of discipleship that I'm talking about, it really is best when it is, and it doesn't have to be just one-on-one. A lot of people talk about just one-on-one discipleship, but I really think it's one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three. You know, if you kind of take the visual image that if we were going to um, meet for lunch for discipleship, let's find a booth that fits four people, fits five people, maybe a little bit elbow space or something like that, so you're not crowded. Um, and and it's it's these three or four people deciding to do life together, to run hard after the Lord. They're going to have some co- things in common. They're going to um, be committed to a priority time, and they're going to discuss what God is telling them in their priority time. They're going to be committed to the ways that they can uh, take their strengths, their talents, their gifts, and use them to serve the Lord, to advance the mission of God. Uh, they're going to be committed to what it means for us to, um, you know, say, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we build the kingdom of God? That's our primary purpose. Yes, we have jobs. Yes, we've got to provide for our family but we do all of that through the primary identity, primary identity of being a disciple. Okay, that's what's so fun about this environment because when you're teaching on a Sunday or I'm teaching on a Sunday, um, we don't interrupt one another. (laughs) But here we are. I can have a conversation with you right now. Okay, so you talked about discipleship being for the select few. And really there's kind of two ways that, as you said that, that kind of struck me. One is... um, you don't mean that like in some ways, like only the very, very select few are available, should be discipled. Um, just what you talked about, everybody can pour into somebody else. So maybe speak to that sense of, um, no matter where you are on the journey, how you could pour into somebody else so that it's not just the super spiritually mature that we're discipling, um, so maybe speak to that, and then and then there is the Second Timothy too. Yeah, and I would say you know when I say select few, it's just because we only have so much amount of time, mm-hmm. and so like you can't disciple ten people at once. You know, um, you only have so much time to be so invested in people's lives that you will do a quality job of discipling them because it is a relationship. It's not an appointment. You have to have a relationship outside of the appointment time in order for the discipleship to truly uh, influence and impact in the way that God designs for discipleship to be comprehensive. So you should select a few. We're not talking about the elite. That's correct. Um, I would say, you know, and how do you select these people? Who's hungry for more? You know, if someone demonstrates a hunger and thirst for righteousness, then feed them, give them something to drink, uh, invite them into your circle. And, and, and that's another way to think about it. You know, all of us have a circle of influence. And so who is in your circle? 
who is hungry for more, who's kind of beginning to uh, run with you, so to speak, who's wanting to spend time with you, then that person's worthy of the investment. And then everybody can disciple somebody in the sense that everybody's further along than someone else. If we will keep it simple, and by keeping it simple, what I mean by that is if we will, each of us, really learn how to have a priority time and make that a consistent part of our life, and then you can teach someone else how to have a priority time, then what happens is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are discipling that person on a daily basis. Then you become the coach that meets with that person once a week. Maybe you meet with that person twice a month. Maybe you meet three times a month. And because they have learned how to spend time with God through the word and prayer, then discipleship is happening through the word and through the spirit of God on a daily basis. You get the privilege of coming alongside and coaching and asking questions like, what did God say to you this week? And then you get to help guide the application of what God said and help them understand how to be specific instead of generic in their application and help them move forward in the world of transformation. That's where the magic of discipleship takes place. So Chris, as I'm thinking about this, um, there's obviously the perspective of um, the disciple somebody who wants to be discipled. And I want to talk about that. Um, but while you're talking about the discipler, um, I want to just lean into that for just a minute because I think um, there's a couple of things that keep people from being willing to say, yes, I will disciple. Um, the first is they don't feel qualified. The second is they feel like they don't have enough time. And so um, would you speak into to each of those in that that I'm, you know, I've never been discipled or I don't have all the books of the Bible memorized or I, you know, I, st- I still, you know, don't have all of my act together. Um, it's not the right season of life. I mean, there's so many things. Um, I guess that last one goes in the time category, but speak to the person that's listening here that has loved the Lord for five years that says, ah, not me. What would you say to that person? Well, I would say that discipleship is about what you can give away, but it's also about more than that. Um, In many ways, it's the privilege of having spiritual sons and daughters. And if you really embrace discipleship, it's one of the most rewarding things possible. Why would you opt yourself out of the primary command slash commission of God and, and then, you know, it's just a matter of understanding, um, you know, how to prioritize this commitment in your schedule. Yes, we're all busy, um, but none of us are too busy to do what God has commanded us to do and commissioned us to do. And, you know, God gives us enough time in each and every day to do what he would have us to do. And if we don't have enough time, then maybe we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. But this is really, you know, let me simplify it even more. This is you identifying one person, two people, maybe three people that are hungry for more and that you have something that you can give them in your journey of the ways that you've learned how to love God, 
the things that have worked for you in growing in your love relationship with God, and then ways that God has used you to love others, and you're just taking what God has poured into you, and now you're pouring it into others. And so, you know, as God fills you up, then you need to be poured out. And you're walking with people in such a way, really, it's what every one of us want for ourselves. All of us want a discipler. All of us want someone to see us and go, wow, that person's got a lot of potential. And we want people to invest in our potential. We want people to see us as worthy of their time. We want people to see us as, you know, that person is worth the investment, so to speak. And and if you want someone else to do that for you, then who can you do that for? Well, I love that. And I do think that, you know, in that world, um, you know, I've, it depends on kind of where you are. Um, you know, if you're like at One City right now and we're talking about discipleship, then there's probably people around that are looking, trying to identify, yeah, I want to be discipled. Who is it that I want to ask? Um, and so there may be somebody in your sphere that approaches you. Um, but I would say if there's not somebody that approaches you, um, that doesn't mean um, you shouldn't ever disciple. What that does mean, if, if and, and you can push back on this, but the, what I would think if, if somebody isn't coming up to you, now I have, um, I remember at one point we were trying to develop some disciplers in our previous ministry. And so we identified some people that we thought had the potential to disciple, but maybe never had been discipled and said, hey, can we take you through a season of discipleship so you can become a discipler? And so there was a little bit of like, would you like to be discipled? Um, that doesn't always work so well because the person that is being discipled needs to be hungry. It doesn't need to be a convenient, like, well, I mean, maybe that sounds like a good idea. That might be fun. I'd like to get coffee with you occasionally. That's probably not the best scenario. Um, So Chris, for that person out there that has been walking with the Lord, but nobody is like jumping up and asking them right now, we talk about Henry Blackaby's principle, see where God's at work and join him. So that comes to my mind. But what else would you say to that person that maybe they, sh- they, they should be walking with the Lord long enough to be a discipler, but nobody's asking them right now? What would you say to that person? Well, I mean, part of that is the vast majority of people don't really even know what discipleship is in order to know what they're asking for. And so that's part of the reason why we're teaching the series is even to give definition to the word discipleship, clarity to the process. And, and, and it's going to work both ways at times. There's going to be times that as we teach this and as it becomes more of a value in our culture, uh, then there's going to be people that do approach you. But then there's other times, um, you know, different personality types. Some people are more extroverted than others. Some people are introverted. Some people are hesitant to approach. Some people don't want to ask something from someone. And so there's a lot of, you know, just practical reasons why someone may not approach you. But if you see someone's hungry and you think they're worthy of the investment of your time, then approach them And then it's not, you know, when you talk about discipling someone, it's not like, hey, can I disciple you? It's like, hey, listen, I see some amazing qualities in you. And here's a few of those qualities. And one of those is I think you're hungry for more and you want more. And, you know, I might have enough life experience and enough, you know, just kind of spiritual disciplines in my life 
where I think I could come alongside of you and just help take you to the next step. That doesn't mean I can take you 10 steps forward. It doesn't mean, you know, I can radically transform your life, but it does mean if I'm three or four steps ahead of you, I might be able to help you take the next couple of steps and I might be able to give you some tools that help you take some steps on your own. And so you have to define the process, you have to define the expectations, you have to define the commitment, and then you ask people to enter into this level of commitment for a season. And then, you know, that season, typically, if you're going to disciple someone, it just kind of depends, A, you know, what do you have to offer, B, kind of where they are in the journey. But frequently, you know, it's it, the shortest is maybe six months, you know, six, nine, 12 months. I would say nine to 12 months is more of a, a, a norm. And then a lot of times, honestly, sometimes depending again, your experience and what you're trying to build into someone else, sometimes it can be a 12 to 18 month experience. But what you want to do along the way is, you know, you want to do this for a month, you want to do it for two months, then you want to have a valuation period. Hey, how's this working for you? You know, um, just have good conversation about what is and isn't working and make the adjustments necessary. I love that. And then, Chris, as we um, think about that side of the discipler, um, you know, for the disciplee, you know, I would say if you want to be discipled, here's what you need to make sure is already present in your life. Your faithfulness, your showing up, the, the whole series of just keep showing up. There needs to be a level of faithfulness in there, um, just commitment to to private worship, to public worship, um, to serving, to giving, that you work on, like, if you're making progress in the big four, and you can see that consistently, those are the things you want to make sure that you can look at yourself and say, no, I am being faithful in a little. So before I ask somebody to make a, an investment in me, I am putting forth um, some discipline and some priority to this in my life. Um, but for the person that is considering, well, maybe I, I've never discipled before, but I might, I'm, okay, maybe I can, maybe I should, but gosh, I just, you know, how do I all this whole thing that it's not just a program, it's not just once a week, it, or, you know, it's, you know, not just lunch, but it's life on life. Sometimes that in the past has scared me. I've thought, I don't know, like, I can give you a lunch twice a month. But I don't know that I have the capacity to bring you into my space all of the time. But what I've found is, it's generally, if you're discipling the right person, there's things they want to learn from just being around you. There's things that they, that I think, you know, we're just going to be, you know, cleaning out the garage this Saturday, but if you want to come over and help, do it. And yet there'll be conversations that we have. There'll be things that they observe in, in our relationship and how a family, you know, functions if you still have children in your home. And there are those things that I think sometimes we take for granted that it doesn't mean you have to have a perfect marriage or a perfect family, but that you might be able to open some doors just by giving them a look at how, <coughs> edit, you might be able to just open up a conversation to a topic because they've observed something in a family dynamic that they may not have experienced before. It's very similar to what we say in parenting that, you know, it is important in parenting to schedule quality time. But if you don't have a quantity of time, it's hard to actually schedule quality time. <coughs> Sorry, I've got this cold. Um, Edit. Yep. 
All right, so let me say that again. It's just like in parenting that if it's important to have quality time with your children, but if you only schedule quality time and you don't have quantity of time, then it's hard for the time you spend together to actually be quality. And so in the world of discipleship, um, there's times that you have a great thought. You had a great priority time. Well, you know, text your discipler and encourage them. Go, hey, I was in the Word today and, you know, I got this. Well, well, that starts a conversation, you know, and then there's times of, hey, are you free for coffee? Hey, are you, you know, you want to go to a ball game? You know, whatever it might be, but it turns into um, a friendship. Now, in discipleship, if the only thing the person wants is a friendship and they're really not committed to the discipleship, then honestly, more times than not, it doesn't work because what we as a discipler are trying to do is we're trying to be a good steward of our time to prioritize our time for the purpose of discipleship. Now, friendship happens along the way. Friendship is an important part of it, but discipleship is the primary expression. Friendship is a byproduct of it. Um, There are times, you mentioned this earlier, that, you know, it can be a little bit overwhelming to invite someone in the totality of your life and and can I do all things and be all things to, you know, a disciplee. And so, like, sometimes there's this, uh, you know, people share personal things about their life and it almost feels like counseling. Well, there are times that you do know something that you can help, and it is it is a type of counseling. But if it turns into counseling every time, then honestly, the person needs to go see a counselor because that is not our primary expertise, and that's not the primary purpose. And so there are times, yes, from the wisdom of the Word of God and from you know life experiences and from the you know insights of the Holy Spirit that I can give someone some counsel but I'm not a counselor. This is primarily about equipping someone to love God, uh, to love one another, to serve the Lord. Chris, as we bring this particular conversation to a close, I know that um, in the weeks ahead, as we wrap up this series, that you're going to provide a resource that is best practices for discipleship. Um, But I just think as we wrap this up for anybody that's out there, um, what would you say um, would be the no regret decision for either the person being discipled, um, that's that person that's hungry, Uh, maybe that's afraid of rejection or, okay, yeah, they told me to go find someone and then someone said no. Um, Speak to that person because I know sometimes that happens. And what would you say to them? And then to that person out there that thinks, ah, maybe not yet, maybe a few more years from now, what would you say? The no regret decision to to the discipler is that honestly, it puts a little bit more uh, accountability in your own walk. You know, it it causes you to be more consistent, more faithful in your own priority time. Um, It causes you to have greater uh, sensitivity to the spirit. Um, It increases your prayer life because you're going to be praying for the people that you're discipling. Um, It just, it, it heightens everything that you do as a son or daughter of the king because you are now trying to uh, advance others. You're trying to bring others with you in the journey. So uh, it's as iron sharpens iron, that truly does happen 
in the discipleship process and there is uh, uh, increased um, accountability, increased sensitivity, and uh, it only uh, causes you to um, seek the Lord more. Um, as far as the disciple, then I would say the no regret decision of the disciple is, listen, uh, no one's going to disciple you perfectly, okay? So don't put a bunch of pressure on the discipler, but you just control what you can control. You find someone that uh, walks with God in a way that you admire, that you respect. You find someone that you want to be like, and then you approach them and just say, hey, is there any way that I could spend some time with you, you know, once uh, a month, you know, twice a month is, is more ideal. You know, once a month's the, the least commitment, and, and but you really need twice a month to make this work. Weekly is best, um, you know, but if, if you could say, could you spend some time with me? Uh, you know, teach me how you walk with God. Teach me about a priority time. Um, and, and just, uh, and I will be faithful. I will, I will honor you and respect your time. I'll be, you know, a good steward of this process by following the coaching that you give me. And again, uh, if you'll do that as a disciplee, and if you'll submit yourself to the discipler, and you'll allow that person to actually be a coach. You know, coaches, um, there are times they're great encouragers, but there's other times they need to speak the truth in love. Um, you need to submit yourself to the process and allow someone into your life and allow someone to maximize your strengths and kind of minimize your weaknesses and help you get to the next level. That's a no regret decision. Well, I hope everybody out there is encouraged and and like you said, this is this is why we're created. Uh, this is who we are. We are supposed to be a disciple and make disciples. And so I hope this has inspired you. I hope you'll stay tuned for the rest of this series and our follow-up conversations, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.